Turkey hunting is one of my favorite things. And one of the key tools I use for turkey hunting is the Onyx Hunt Map. I use it incessantly when I'm hunting turkeys. Being able to find a new piece of public or gaining permission on private opens up opportunities for gobblers. Onyx Hunt has a special offer for you this spring. Use the code MEATEATER to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com hunt. You'll find more birds this season. I'm telling you, I rely on Onyx Hunt when I'm hunting turkeys. It is an invaluable turkey hunting tool. If you're 21 or older, consume nicotine or tobacco and want to join the Black Buffalo herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online. They ship directly to most states or check out their store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. All right, everybody. This is the best news to ever happen in the entire history of of everything. Individual Meat Eater episodes from our new season. I'm talking the TV show, not this here podcast. Are available for instant streaming and HD downloads right after they air on TV. So you get a new episode every Thursday. There's no embargo, you know, where you got to wait a long time to get a new episode. It comes out on TV, you go to your computer, you watch it on your computer, no problem. Head over to meateater.vhx.tv to instantly watch the new season of Meat Eater in HD. Use the promo code MEATEATERPODCAST at checkout and you get five bucks off any of our previous volumes. Go check it out. Prime viewing for you. Hey, everyone. This is the Meat Eater Podcast. We're recording in the warm and sunny Juneau, Alaska. The only state capital not joined to the international highway system. Like You can't drive out of Juneau. How many people live here? Ooh. Did we was find it, that out? Guess to me. 35? Was it 35? 1,000? No idea. Doesn't matter. Not many people live here for a state capital. Um, surrounding us is Tongass National Forest, and we've been here in Juneau for four days of action-packed sooty grouse hunting, which is something you probably haven't heard of before. I'm just going to lay some quick groundwork. Well, no, no. First thing I want to talk about who's here. Um, we have our representative from the famous Hunt to Eat t-shirt company, Giannis Putellis. He's wearing his Hunt to Eat shirt. Garrett Smith, who's wearing the Hunt to Eat shirt. Did you, did you buy that or get that for free, Garrett? I can't say. <laughs> you can say. I was giving it. <laughs> So the people in this room get a free hunt to eat shirt, but but really, if you want to, um, we've got sh- like, we've got shirts in stock. Giannis, Long Tong Yanni, Yanni Chimani, 
whatever you want to call them, has T-shirts in stock now at Hunt to Eat. And I want to point out, I have nothing to gain. I, Steve, the host, I have nothing to gain from you buying um, Giannis' T-shirts. Besides many thank yous. You know, in fact, I'll point out, I have something to lose. Because if you get rich and famous from selling T-shirts, you're not going to work here anymore. That's not true. You don't know that. No, you might just do it for like out of the goodness of your heart. So yeah, I have I like my job, you know. So I, I can only lose from telling you to go buy one of Yanni's Hunt E T-shirts. He's got them in stock. How much you selling them for, Yanni? Twenty four ninety five. But wasn't there a special deal where people could put in a thing and get some cheap T-shirts? There was, but this is tough because we're recording this now. It's uh, May fourteenth, and who knows when it's, this is going to air? So. It's tough. Anyways, yeah, check the website. Yeah, maybe we'll have a special going. Full price, man. Yep. Um, Garrett Smith, Garrett, uh, you weren't born in Miles City, Montana. Great Falls, Montana. Born in Great Falls, Montana. He's working with us right now because his old man, in a roundabout way, nothing, not to diminish your talents, but in a roundabout way, because your old man's friends of my brother. Yeah. Talk about nepotism. Yanni is friends of my wife. Full circle. Mike Washleski's here. He's not friends with anybody. Nope. He, he, Mike got his Mike got his job the honest way, man. How did you How did you come to work here, Mike? Uh, I sent an email to didn't ZPZ. send it to me. Sent it to ZPZ. I sent, yeah. Did well, you think about sending me one? No, I didn't have it. I I watched an episode on uh, on television like a year ago, or actually a little bit more than a year ago, and was very moved by the production and and the. It was whenever you didn't pull the trigger on that bear at your cabin. Oh yeah, and I thought, well, the first, think, what, what did you think about the hosting? I thought it was excellent. Excellent hosting. Yeah, no, it was. It spoke a lot. The fact that you didn't take the bear, I was just like, well, first of all, you know, not to diminish other hunting shows, but there was something that really stood out. The first episode I saw was with Rogan. I was like, what the hell am I watching? Like, why is Joe Rogan on? A hunting show and then i watched another one because it was like a marathon or something like that and it was the episode where it was just you uh out hunting that bear and you didn't pull the trigger and i was like that says something the f- because you know most hunting shows are like you got to put it down i mean that's the whole point we're here is yep. you gotta kill the animal it's like the but fact- then you came out to work with us and that bear sure got shot yeah it sure did yeah and it you know and it were you disappointed his- uh, no <laughs> it got revenge on us man yeah mike's uh, uh- Th- that was your first trip yeah that was my first trip yeah just a young kid. Yeah. <laughs> um, Mike Washleski is out of Austin, Texas, and he's up here right now because, as everyone knows, Operation Jade Helm, <laughs> the U.S. military is in Texas. Um, much fear in Texas that it's actually they're going to they're overthrowing the government in Texas. Is that right? The U.S. military is imposing martial law in Texas to is, take everyone's guns? That's the fear. That's the fear. Yeah, so they sent uh, the U.S. Army into Texas, and they're, it's a big movement. They're a big operation to declare martial law in Texas and disarm Texas. That's what, that's what people think is happening. That was going to happen until the Texas governor very boldly <laughs> said that he's going to have the National Guard keep an eye on yeah. the U.S. Army while they're there. He's going to defend us from, from, the, from the U.S. Army, yes, yep. and special forces. He's like, and not only that, I'm going to send some mall cops out too. So, but Mike's up Juno till all this blows over, man, because he doesn't want to have martial law put on I had to on, duck you know? out. Yeah, I had to duck out, man. It was getting too crazy. Um, 
also joined by Corey Kazmarek. Yes. Or Kutchmark. Or Kutchmark. What nationality is that? Polish. Yeah. He didn't really get his job, honestly, because you came on recommendation from a guy. Yeah. Well, it's a small town. ZPZ West moved to Bozeman. And I live in Bozeman, Montana, so. That's an honest way to get a job. It's on a good recommendation. Yeah. No, that's true. That it is, yeah. Yeah. I like the way Mike did it. Send an email. Yeah. But to come now everyone's going to send an email. Well, yeah. But uh, to come on recommendation. <laughs> you know what? The more I think about it, to come on recommendation. Now that is something. We'll see. <laughs> Hero to zero, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So, so, but to get on, the, the main thing I want to talk about is blue grouse. Now, I, as a hunter, I'm a fan of. Uh, I like hunts that that are underutilized, right? I like hunts that are overutilized. You know, where there's like too many people trying to do it, which I would say that generally, like hunting, you know, ducks, right? It's like ducks is high competition hunting, typically. You know, publicly on whitetails, high competition. Turkeys, high competition. I like all that stuff. But I also like stuff that just no one does because I don't know why. It's just not something people know about, you know. I would say squirrel hunting, people know about it. They just don't do it. Or there's way more squirrels and way more squirrel hunting land than there are people interested in hunting squirrels. But one of the most underutilized hunts in the world is the blue grouse. Now... A blue grouse, people used to call them blue grouse. And then some years ago, like seven years ago, I think. Oh, six. I 2006? Figure. Yeah. I can't figure out how many years ago that was. Ten, five, nine. Yeah. <laughs> right in that ballpark. Right in that ballpark. Thanks for the math, Garrett. Um, right in that ballpark, the Ornithological Society declared, or not declared, but suggested that it be split. And the blue grouse, which is a bird from the western U.S., was split into two populations, dusky grouse, sooty grouse. Duskies live in the interior mountain ranges of the Rockies. Sooties live on the coastal ranges. Now, people who run into and, 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 and inadvertently now and then, or just not, not like as an incidental take, kill a blue grouse now and then because the birds are just kind of there and they don't really know to run away. People, they're one of many birds that people call a fool's hen, which is like a disparaging term for a bird. And what they're getting at is that they would say it's not that smart. The blue grouse isn't that smart because, you know, subscribe what happens when you walk up on a blue grouse. You were talking about this earlier. Oh, in the uh, Intermountain Rockies. Yeah. Interior. A du- well, yeah, so what? what is now, yeah. since 2006, now a dusky. been a dusky grouse? Well, often I've run into them archery elk hunting. And I used to, I used to always have an, an arrow, maybe sometimes two, marked you know, grouse on my fletchings. You'd actually it, write it on there. Oh, yeah, because it'd be like a you know, slightly crooked arrow or you know, something would be wrong with it. But, so you could, wouldn't feel bad shooting at a grouse. But, yeah, you're just cruising along and like, you look over and you know, 10, 15 feet away, there he is just chilling, feeding, sometimes just kind of like they see you, but they're not flushing, they're not running. They're just kind of slowly walking away and, and enough time to take oftentimes multiple shots with bow and arrow. Oh, yeah. I've killed more 
now Dusky's blue grouse with my bow and arrow than I have with a shotgun. I one time, hunting in the interior ranges, shot a blue grouse with my bow and then grabbed a rock and killed a second one. The point I'm getting at is, is people look at a blue grouse and you know they live in the high country, typically. And they look at a blue grouse and they go like, oh, there's a dumb bird. But that's a, that's a dumb way of thinking about it. A blue grouse, like blue grouse generally, human predation is not something they're generally dealing with, right? They live in areas where they have other stuff that they're worried about. And I think it's unfair to birds and fish and animals when humans declare them dumb because their response upon seeing a human isn't to run away. You know, people be like, oh, those deer are dumb. They didn't run away. But you might say, well, maybe he's really smart because he doesn't run from everything he sees and waste calories and put himself into risk from other kinds of predation that he might not know about when he inadvertently runs into other things. And so he knows to hold tight and assess whether there really is danger or not. And it's dumb to fly away and run away from stuff that means you no harm. That could be one way of looking at it. Yeah, it's like a uh, an ignorant person's way of, like, it's personification. Like, you're putting, like, human emotions and feelings to an animal and and saying like in that situation if a human did that you would say it's dumb you know yeah but that's humans how, let but humans let humans walk up on them no i know but that's just how i walked it, up on a ton of people in that restaurant we ate at tonight i know to, I, when none I was, of them ran i saw two run actually <laughs> yeah you almost ran over some guys with your van <laughs> so yeah the, the word anthropomorphism giving it's kind of different than anthropomorphism is what people, what people do with their dogs. Usually like act like their dogs are capable of emotions. You know, I'm like, you're like projecting human tendencies or human attributes onto animals, which most dog owners are guilty of, you know, it's an unfair, not Ronnie Bain, not Ronnie Bain, but most dog owners. Look, and those, those, those humans that are saying, you're saying I just I just walked up to some people, but that bird had people sneaking up to it in camouflage with rifles. So if you had done that in that restaurant tonight, maybe not everybody would have been so dumb and just been hanging out. Yeah, some of true. them might have fled. So, especially if you walked through the door with a rifle and camouflage. Exactly. But we have so much ground to cover. Blue. I want I want to move let's, the blue grouse storyline. Like at risk of being real boring. So, blue grouse are hunted. In the fall. Now, years ago, in probably in the late 90s, early 2000s, I was out hunting black bears in the spring. And the way, when I lived in Montana, the way we eventually started hunting black bears once we got good at it, is we would hunt uh, southerly, south-facing, east-facing, southeast-facing exposures in really steep country where you had avalanche slides or snow slides would clear away snow on big hillsides so that you'd climb up into a high area in the mountains and everything's covered in snow except avalanche chutes where the snow slid off and then the sun warmed the hill up and because the snow was gone, those hills greened up those strips would green up faster than all the surrounding topography. And you'd get 
skunk cabbage and glacier lily and all kinds of grasses would grow on these snowshoots. And a bear, a black bear, who might den, you know, 8,000, 9,000 feet above sea level, he comes out of his den around May, I mean, earlier or later, but generally May 6th. Some people say May 7th. I think my brother Danny thinks it's May 11. But there's a day every year when all of a sudden, like, bam, all the bears come out. Some bears trickle out all the time, but, like, bears come out. Um, we used to hunt these avalanche slides. And now and then we'd be sitting at the foot of an avalanche slide, and you would hear a noise that would sound like, so who, who, who thinks they can do it best? Not I. That's I'm gonna do. I'll do mine. Okay. Then, but someone else has to do theirs next. Yeah, I'll try mine. I would hear this noise. Okay, picture. It's April, May, and all of a sudden, was that six, seven notes? Hold on. A you try yours. That's one far away. Yeah, that's why. That's what we got to watch ours. <laughs> that's all we was here. That was Mike. Mike doing a far away grouse. Who else wants to take a stab at it? You're getting the point. The bar's set too high. I don't got it. Let's do one. Let one rip. Ooh, ooh, ooh. No, never mind. <laughs> Honey. Ah, ah. Oh. <laughs> That was good. Yeah, that sounds good. You hear this noise. Now, we were, for a couple of years, baffled by what this noise was. Because I, I grew up in Michigan, right? We moved out west, get into the hunting and fishing action. We'd hear this noise. Turns out that the blue grouse, which is just kind of, I was going to call them blue grouse. Like, everyone knows now, right? Dusky grouse, sooty grouse, blue grouse. Learned that it's, it's, it's a blue grouse. And that's his noise in the spring to call in ladies. Um, and eventually figured that out. And then learned that there's a thing in southeast Alaska where you can hunt blue grouse in the spring. And in Alaska, they call them hooters, spring hooters, because you can hunt them in the spring. The hunting method is you go out into the mountains in the spring and try to listen for that hoot noise and then try to locate the bird. Now, three years ago, we were finishing up a bear hunt and we had passed through the town of Ketchikan. Yanni was there. We had some time to kill and we were going to take some pictures and we drove up on the road system out of Ketchikan on Revelagegado island or revilla island or revy island we drove way the hill up the road till we got the snow got too deep and then we walked for a ways and got to this high road and it sounded to me like from everywhere from everywhere was mike what do the far away oh mm -hmm. Everywhere. You remember that, Giannis? I do. Describe your impressions. Giannis was so moved, he started a t-shirt company. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was one of those things where because we weren't 
focused enough. Like we weren't hunting them. So we're just like cruising around doing our thing. We're taking some pictures and no, because if you remember, I proposed we drove back into town and buy a 22, then drove back up there to hunt for an hour for our plane. I forgot about that. Yeah. So yeah, we heard a lot of hooters. It did sound like they were everywhere. Yeah. It haunted me as haunting as the noise is. It haunted me a year after that. Well, so that year I started researching how to hunt spring hooters because I was like, I had a spot. I got onto this idea where I was going to, um, kill them like how you kill turkeys. So I found this catalog online. There's like, here's one right here. I'm looking at the Macaulay bird sound library here. The library is full of stuff. All the library things start this way. I'm going to play one thing real quick. LNS catalog number four, five, two, three, two. That dude says that. Then you'll hear. That's a female. Okay. That's a female 10 and her chicks, her and her chicks. So I started trying to find ways that you would mimic these noises. And I would send the noises to friends of mine who were musicians first, asking them, like, if you had to figure out how to make that noise, how would you make it? I sent them both the female and the male sound. Now, everyone said that a blowing on a beer bottle would make the male noise, which it don't. And everyone said there's some kind of uh, Australian instrument. Didgeridoo? That goes... Yeah. Do you, do you go like this? Do you... No, that's a... That's the... I don't know. That's some... Yeah, with the like thing on the end yeah yeah, yeah. yeah i think, I think it is i think it's like a roped up yeah you spin right. the rope real fast get that yeah. what's it called i have no idea boomerang rope remember they had a ghost collar toy growing up it was like a tube you'd do that and it yes yeah that's right Full call did it work i mean it made that sound yeah now that i think about it i put whenever i was out there i pictured like an like an old guy with the moonshine jug with like triple X's on it, just like softly blowing on it. Yeah, Mike. Mike. First thing Mike said when we got in the mountains, like, "Geez, a lot of old moonshiners out here." <laughs> so all these moonshiners out here think we'd find a still. <laughs> so yeah, it sounds like an old dude blowing on a moonshine jug. Anyways, I sent these sounds to everyone. I eventually sent uh, the sound to the guys at Down and Dirty Game Calls, and they made me a box call and an open read call that I could use to try to mimic a hen. And it's kazoo. Like that was the other thing musicians kept saying is like, you might be able to do it with a kazoo, but I couldn't figure out how to do it with a kazoo, but I got this open read call that sounds damn good. And it's like, it's like, uh, is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sounds like that. And I, put out a thing on social media asking anyone if anyone had a dead female blue grouse laying around this dude named who I've become kind of like email buddies with this guy named Shad Brunson out of Utah runs out. He's like, Hey, I'm going hunting them anyways, runs out, shoots me one. I have it go to a taxidermist that I know in Montana who stuffs that female. And armed with a hen call, 
and my decoy, I go out back one year later with Yanni, and Doherty was with us, back out to Revilla Island and spend four days trying to get under the tree of a blue grouse in order to call to it and present it with this decoy, thinking that I would pull the bird down out of his tree where they're hiding up in the tree, pull him down, he'd come down and strut, and I'd shoot him. And we got killed on that trip. Talk about why we got killed. From what I know now? No, from what you knew then. From what I knew then. There weren't as many birds. We felt like, we, and we hunted the same, we didn't have a lot of room to roam. We were kind of hunting the road system out of Ketchikan. We had, I don't know, maybe three, five miles of road we could hunt. That was National Forest, something like that. And they're just, I felt like we were working the same four or five birds. We named them all. Yeah, we had them all named. The terrain. Ghost bird, Lost bird, Randy Newbird. Houdini. Houdini. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we like yeah. There's like we knew about these birds and we tried to find them. You could not find them. Yeah, we kept getting cliffed out. We got cliffed out numerous times where we just could not. We felt like we couldn't continue. You know, you know, moving on these birds. What these sons of bitches will do is they'll get up in a high spot. Like picture you're at the head of a canyon, okay. And the, 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 the walls of the canyon kind of come together and peter out at the head of a canyon or the head of like a draw, you know, on a mountain slope. And there's some big, badass spruce tree rising up and towering over the head of the draw. A blue grouse will go up into that high spruce tree and start making his weird, hit it, Mike, noise. And you, it, it sounds like it comes from everywhere. Like, you know if you're out in the woods and you hear a sound and you'd say to your buddy, like, point your finger at the sound. What I notice people do when a blue grouse calls is they don't point their finger. They sort of, like, gesture with their hand, like, uh, like oh, it's over, like, in this vague sort of direction. Yeah, what we've started doing now is, like, it's like a two-handed, like, pie. Like yeah. Kind of. You like, hear a this, blue grouse and you make a world. pie thing. Sometimes your pie thing describes 120 degrees, yeah. right? Or sometimes you might, a very narrow pie wedge would be a a lie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a very narrow pie wedge is a lie. But I would say a narrow pie wedge is a 15 to 20 degree pie wedge, Right. If you see someone give, if you hear a noise, you hear a grouse, a blue grouse off, like, you know, he's a mile away, whatever he is. Um, and you drew a pie wedge more narrow than 15 degrees, you, the person's overexcited, you know. To, to put it this way, one time while we we're trying to hunt spring hooters in Alaska, we, had a grouse's location in our minds pinpointed to two trees, one of which I climbed. Hours later, we were probably about a mile away from there. That's right. Trying to ascertain which mountain the bird was on. 
he never stopped hooting. I think we finally said he's probably up on that ridge, and we said we said f it. We well, we could we couldn't go on the ridge though. Even oh, that's what it was. Wrong, wrong land. Long, wrong land ownership. Oh. For four days, we it would just be like we'd go, we'd get burned by. Let's say it was Randy Newbird. We'd get burned by Randy Newbird one day. The next day, we'd get exasperated. We'd go back up to try again on Randy Newbird, and we'd sit. And just listen to him being like, what portion of the mountain range is that bird calling from? I, I got so befuddled and it was so miserable that uh, I called some buddies of mine. And I happen to have a buddy of mine named Matt Carlson who's a, he's a, um, he does a, he's a biologist, but he does a lot of ornithology. And he grew up in southeast Alaska. And I called him because I knew he'd hunted a spring hooter now and then. He said, like, you know, to be honest with you, I never did it enough. Um, it's tough to find them. Let me ask around. He calls around and finds a dude who, another biologist from Juno, who knew a retired woman named Barb, who is a blue grouse master. And one day, all pissed off while we were hunting blue grouse, I called Barb and asked her how to find them. And she gave me some tips that, just explaining over the phone did me no good. And then we just got, we continued. We had one more day, hunted the last day of the season and didn't find any birds. Yep. A year goes by. And we email with and become friends with Barb and finagle an invitation up to come and hunt blue grouse with Barb for four days which just ended, and we fucking slayed him. <laughs> slayed him. We really, we really worked bar. We, we kind of gave her the, the one-two punch. We, like, we really, a couple phone calls. We eased we her into eased it. eased into it. Really had our tails tucked between our legs. We, like, you know, we didn't have Yanni a good time. We even pulled in. this one on her. Um. You, you do you, you do what you pulled on her about your daughter about my daughter <laughs> no your not your dog daughters yeah Yanni even got Yanni even took it to this to to try to finagle an invitation out of Barb he went as far as to well because it's not everybody that wants to jump on TV there's a lot of people that do want to be on TV some people could give a shit don't need don't need anything to do with TV yeah there's and, people and that want to come on a TV show because they think it'd be fun they want to hang out. Go on a free trip. It'd be fun. They're always curious about how TV shows get made. Mm-hmm. Okay, there's people who want to come on a TV show because they got to sell. They want to sell something. Like how Yanni comes on the podcast and sells T-shirts. <laughs> like they got a thing they're going to get uh, a specific concrete thing they're going to get out of it. That's huntseat.com. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and then you got what were the other kinds we identified? I want. I tried to have it be three, but we identified five kinds of people that want to be on TV. <laughs> They want to be a guest on a TV show. There's people who just do it. They don't want to do it, but your buddies with them, and they'll just do it. Yeah, like my brother, Dan, like my brother Dan. Which is pretty much what happens with Barb. But anyways, the card I pulled on her was I said, "Look, I've got two daughters, and there are no great female hunting role models out there, let alone a blue grouse hunting role model." <laughs> right? Please show them how it's done, and so. 
Barb's been hunting blue grouse for 25 years. Mm -hmm. She hits it hard. Yeah. And what was interesting that I realized about her this evening at dinner is that um, she's got a, a very deep hunting resume. She passed around her little portfolio of pictures and Barb's killed just about everything in the state of Alaska. And moose, doll sheep, whatnot. Her family moved out here when she was a very little girl. Yeah. Which makes me like her even more because she's just into going hunting blue grouse. Like just yeah. going cruising. So yeah, she's hunted all the big game, but she is like a blue grouse hunter. Yep. And she took us out and taught us how to find those things. Spring is a great time to do something with your family. Do some spring cleaning, which I kind of started today outside, planning outdoor activities, which I'm always doing, taking a little trip to Hawaii with your kids for spring break, which I just did, which was great. You know what else you can do for your family this spring? You can shop for life insurance with Policy Genius. Make that part of your financial planning for the year. I've said it before a thousand times. I'll say it again. When my wife and I, when we started having kids, we got serious about life insurance. And man, I felt so much better after we did. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just 292 bucks per year for a million dollars of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Even if you already have a life insurance policy through work, it may not offer enough protection for your family's needs, and it may not follow you if you leave your job. So save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Applying for tags each year in the West can be daunting. Yeah, I apply for everything everywhere. It's daunting. You have to go to a variety of sources to formulate your best guess as to where to apply. Well, this is a thing of the past now. Onyx just launched hunt research tools to simplify the process for all hunters. This tool helps organize the data that matters, makes comparing hunt options easy, and helps hunters develop a plan based on real metrics rather than gut feelings. Onyx Hunt also offers all elite members a free digital membership to Hunt and Fool, who I use, for boots on the ground, insight and knowledge, and a membership to Hunt Reminder so you never miss another deadline. Stop stressing over application season and apply with confidence in 2024. Check out Onyx Hunt Research Tools, free for all Onyx Hunt Elite members. Not an elite member? Well, let's fix that. Use code MEATEATER to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com slash hunt. This is an app I use literally every day. I use it for every aspect of hunting, scouting, trapping, you name it. I want to tell you about an American-made success story and Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. Black Buffalo was built by dippers with decades of smokeless tobacco use. Black Buffalo is all about the history and tradition of dip, but they understand the convenience and discretion modern-day consumers are looking for. Black Buffalo's nicotine pouches give you the versatility to consume discreetly, but keep the ritual with flavors dippers love. Mint, straight, and wintergreen, all proudly made right here in the USA. Tell them, Chili. The reason I like black buffalo pouches is, one, they're very discreet. And what I mean by that is I can throw one in and almost forget it's there. And I prefer the mint pouches. So if you're 21 or older... 
consume nicotine or tobacco and want to join the Black Buffalo herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online. They ship directly to most states or check out their store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. And I can't even, I'm trying, I'm searching, I don't know what the method is. Corey today commented that blue grouse hunting is good for, it's like good for anyone who has good hearing and is in good shape. Did you equate it to golf a little bit? No, no. I, well, I said the opposite. It's, it's a, I guess it's a, you know, it's a hunt that's probably not meant for deaf people and people out of shape. That's how I put it. Yeah. But yeah, you know, I met Barb the first day we got here. We flew in. And me and Yanni were talking to her in the hotel, and I was like thinking to myself, "Oh, this this is going to be a breeze." You know, Barb's probably in her fifties. I would say mid fifties. Yeah. And uh, oh, we're just going to walk around in these nice park, forest parks, and look for these birds. And first day, we're sweating. You know, within fifteen minutes because everything is straight up and down here, covered in moss. Covered in moss. Thank God it wasn't raining, and she crushed us. I mean, she pretty much left us in the dust. Really, I couldn't. Like, I still don't understand how she was doing it. Just a climbing fool. Yeah. She smoked us. And maintaining day one. She made one of our cameramen quit. (laughs) (laughs) And she didn't even have pink accents on her gun. (laughs) Nope. Smiling the whole time. No pink needed. Not even breathing heavy. Yeah, did it without mascara. Just out there hammering the mountain. And on point. She was always knowing what she was doing and looking for. Yeah, so Barb hunts by herself. Like, here's how she hunts. Her husband doesn't hunt blue grouse anymore. And he'll come out, they'll go out in their boat, and sometimes they'll just go out and cut the engine on a calm day and drift off the, you know, out in the ocean, listening up on the surrounding mountains to hear some hooters going off. Then Barb's husband will bring her up and beach her they got a flat bottom boat like a big boat they can sleep on the thing you know and carry a zodiac ground on it but he'll go up and beach her on the beach and then she'll go hunt all day um while he trolls for salmon and then she carries a orange banner with her so she don't need to pay any attention to where she winds up she usually beelines it and i'm talking temperate rainforest i mean rainforest she beelines it up to, you know, 13, 14, 1,500 feet, hunts, comes down, hits the ocean shore, hangs up her blaze orange banner so that her husband, while he's trolling up and down the shoreline, will notice the banner and know to come get her all spring. She says that they don't start fishing halibut till spring hooter season's over. There is probably no other person who's that committed. If they, if they are, please email me, Giannis.Patelis at 0.0.com. I would love to talk to you. Because every I, I've read a handful. The only place that publishes blue grouse hunting articles is like uh, Alaska Department of Fishing, Fishing Game. 
because they try to promote it to new hunters and stuff like that, you know? Yeah. And so they'll, they always, every year they'll round up some dude who's going to write a, like a, a, a blue grouse article. And the blue grouse article will be like, oh, there's this zany thing. Um, I'm usually into something else, but so every now and then I'll go do this zany thing. And the birds are like, and no one can write an article without using the word ventriloquist. They're like a ventriloquist. And, you know, it's this silly kind of zany thing. That's like what it brings out in people. I don't know why people are down on it, except that I think it might be that when you find the bird, you shoot it out of a tree with a twenty-two. It's not wing shooting. No, it's not wing shooting, except that the, the article that we read that was published in the Juno newspaper, wasn't it, that you forwarded to me? Oh, I can't remember. Before it was we it. came here. But this guy wrote an article about it, how he was so into it, and he said that... Hold on, I thought he wasn't into it. I thought he said, I'm not a big hunting guy. Now and then I'll go do this. Well, my point is that all the effort that he put into finding these birds, he wasn't going to shoot them with 22. He just took his. 12. Oh, that guy smokes mob true with 12 gauge. Yeah. Which I don't. Most of the birds we found, you weren't going to kill the 12 gauge. You're too far away. Yeah, I was going to say, man, they were high. Because bullet drop isn't affect by, affected by vertical distance, but shotgun spread is. He's saying he's shooting. He must be walking away from a lot of birds or he's not finding them because he's not going to be shooting them with a 12-gauge at 70 yards. This thing's the size of a softball. The body. Unless he's up there with a, Maybe he's got a, with a bunch of heavy shot and a choke. super <laughs> turkey choke and a bunch of heavy shot. <laughs> Maybe. I don't yeah, know. I have to talk to that guy. Anyways, he did make a thing. He likes to shoot them with a scatter gun. They don't jump. So that's the thing is like, like who, who, do you guys, ever, you guys ever hose ducks off the water with a shotgun? Never done that. And he's from Texas. Do you not do it because because you don't hunt ducks, or you not do it because you think it's unsportsmanlike? No, because I don't hunt ducks. I uh, yeah, no, that's something I. In Minnesota, we go duck hunting, and we'd always. I guess the etiquette was to let them get off the water first before we. That's shoot the them. etiquette. Yeah, yeah. It's weird, man, because you're saying. I I see both sides of it. You know, when you're saying, "Yeah, I want this thing to be dead." And I, and I want to give it a chance. We could also be saying I'm also giving it more of a chance that it's gonna that I'm gonna hit it with a BB and not kill it. It's like you want it dead, but you could make it dead. You know, shoot it. But it is unsportsman. It's generally regarded as unsportsman, like to hose a duck off the water. That's how market hunters used to do it too. I mean, but is that the same as like shooting a deer bedded? I mean, is that the same? I, kind I listen, of- man. I will fight that to the dead die. It is not. <laughs> it's not it, the same. No, listen. It's way different. I think that to shoot a bedded animal is a sign of good hunting, not bad hunting. It's like you've done your work, right? It has no idea you're there. Like you put on, you put such a good stock on that you found the thing laying. You know, you don't like drive up on a bedded animal. Mm-mm. Yeah. People might be confusing bedded animal with like animal that's asleep and like your father in law after Thanksgiving dinner was passed <laughs> out on the couch. Like that's not the animal you sneak up to. These animals aren't just snoring with their head on the ground. You just happen happenstance across them and then get to boom them. 
No, bedded animal is like, it's on full alert, you know, in its bed, in a safe spot where he can see all around it. He's got the wind coming in the right direction. He's got cover behind him. And like you're saying, if you sneak in there, you've done something special. Now, if, if you oppose shooting bedded animals because of shot placement problems, I understand where you're coming from. Shot placement is difficult on a bedded animal. But we filmed a thing. We, we filmed an antelope hunt. I belly crawled. I mean, I spent a long time belly crawling up on an antelope. Very hot, very uncomfortable. Belly crawled on an antelope, got close to it in his bed, had a perfect shot, killed it, and never even stood up. Blam, dead. And some guy writes in an email like, oh, I've hunted all six continents, and, da, 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 and I've never seen anybody shoot a bedded animal. I'm like, I don't know, you must be not looking, you know. And he was like out, morally outraged, not about shot placement, but just the coward, the, the, you know, how cowardly it was to shoot a better animal. So I was like, so is it cowardly to shoot an animal running away from you? Shooting him in the back. I think it's BS. But the whole shooting birds out of trees thing, I think that that might be a thing is because guys that hunt birds like wing shooting and it's not wing shooting. Garrett? You don't need to raise your hand, dude. <laughs> well, I was thinking with uh, you talking about the bedded down animals and getting a good hunt on them, it takes that skill and effort. And it seems like with the grouse, the sooty grouse in particular, I mean, to get up in that country, to find out where that sound's coming from, to find them in the tree, to get a shot at them, that effort is there. So, yeah, you know, it, it, is it takes worse. that. Yeah, it takes it's that worse. skill. Yeah, it's worse. So you earn. Or I mean, you don't earn, but if it's an etiquette thing or a fairness thing, a sportsman's thing, the sportsman's thing's there with the sooty grouse, not needing them to fly Absolutely, off. man. Yeah. Like, if you got all, you, you go to South Dakota, right, and you, you go up and you get out of your truck, you have some coffee, eat a couple donuts, walk down into a ditch row and start spitting pheasants out every which way, and you shoot with your shotgun and you act proud of yourself on that, I'm telling you, if you were going to measure effort, that is nothing compared to what it takes to find a yeah. bluegrass. It's hard, man. It might be it's less than 5%. It's nothing. Nothing. It, no, it, I think it's like an excuse. I think they know what it takes to go up there and to like get a limit. We've been at it four days and had some great hunting. Did not get a limit any day. And we're like trying to figure out what it would take to get a limit. Here, not get a limit, but yeah. always hearing hoots. Always hearing hoots. And I think maybe people know what they have in store for them. I mean, you're talking about what do we hike for elevation gain and loss in, in our bigger days? 1,700 yesterday. Right. That was, but that was just one way. Yeah. One yeah, way one to top way. bottom. So, and long in, days too. You know, but you think you got to keep pointing out we're talking about in rainforest. It's not like hiking on a trail. Oh, it's off trail. You're getting landed on the beach. We, we'd go out and get landed on a beach with a boat. Boat pulls up. Everybody jumps off the bow, and you're at tide line. And you don't start hearing hoots till you're six, 700 feet up, typically. Straight up. And, yeah, it's really... I mean, it's a physically very challenging hunt, and there's no other hunt that I can think of, and I've been trying to think of it. Turkey hunting involves listening for gobbles, but there's no other hunt that just comes down to listening, locating the source of the noise, but that's only half of it because once you find where you got it narrowed down, you know what three trees is in, and these are trees that are a couple hundred feet tall, several hundred feet tall sometimes. Now, that's a lie. 150, 200 feet tall. 
Before you get into the optics of Sooty Grouse Hunting, let's take a quick break. All right, welcome back. Uh, a couple, uh, we're going to get back into Blue Grouse Hunting. Oh, we we're going to start talking about like finding them by noise and finding them by sight, but, but a couple things came up. One, I, I meant to talk about this right off the bat. Does anyone here... We, were ta- we never quit. We were talking about before we started recording. We were talking about Bigfoot. No one here believes in Bigfoot, right? Do you believe in Bigfoot? No, I, th- I believe that there's a some sort of archetype about someone larger than us humans. You know? Yeah, I agree with that. Like a lot of cultures have a version. Yeah. Yeah. Mike, not till I see proof. I'm I'm undecided. So. What? Are you, what, what? <laughs> <laughs> I did. What do you see, mean you're undecided? <laughs> well, there was a. I saw you know with all the internet videos, there was an Asian bear that walks on its hind legs for longer periods. It can walk up to like 400, you know, like a quarter mile or something. I can believe that. And it looks like. Does that mean it has the, the well the Bigfoot thing? Like, yeah, I don't know. No. Do you believe that there's a giant hominid? No, actually, no. Yeah, you're right. No. No. All right, that's good. Got that taken care of. So <laughs> the other thing that came up, we want to touch on that. Was there something else we were just talking about touching on? Oh, the painting in the hotel room. It's like this painting from, it must be some prominent saddle around. It, it's a big grizzly up on the on the mountains above Juneau. And he looks like he's headed down into town to go drinking. <laughs> <laughs> it's like he's like coming. He just must have come. It's a lot of snow. He just come out of hibernation. It's like yeah, he's like headed down to get drunk. <laughs> like what? What is going on? Or there? eat a few people? Oh, yeah, he's yeah. like there's. No, there's he doesn't there. have like a man. He doesn't have. If I was the painter and I wanted to make it that he was headed down to to kill people, I'd have him look mean. I don't know. He's got his mouth open. He's like he's it's like the version stride. of the lone wolf, you know, the, with the wolf in the village below. Have you guys seen that? No, that bear store? is going down to get drunk <laughs> or something. <laughs> that was the other thing. So yeah, back. So the, the, the trick. Now there are parallels in this world. The sound thing. Okay, listening for bugle and elk. Yeah. Like you're you listening to locate, listening to a turkey, you listen to locate. But in but Sometimes in those squ- things, squirrels. I'm always listening for squirrels yeah. barking. I'm heading their direction. Yeah, there's a big audio component to. Is that is that the right word? Big audio component to a lot of hunting. Auditory. Auditory component to a lot of hunting. But nothing like where you're trying to track down such a difficult sound, and even when you get. Like, what will kind of happen is you'll be out hunting and you'll, you'll hear a hoot, right? And you'll argue about what direction it was. And you'll go in that direction and then you won't hear it anymore. And then you'll crest like a slight ridge and it'll sound farther away than it did before you started walking that way. But you know you're walking in the right direction because it's still, you still agree on the direction, but it just is less loud now. Then you walk and the sound goes away. Then you walk a little more and the sound's louder than you've heard it at all. And then you walk a little more, and it's really faint, and you can't tell what's going on. And then you climb up the next ridge, and it's booming loud. At which point, you're like, oh, he's in this clump of trees. And then it might take... 
On the way, though, I got to add, you're constantly, at least, uh, maybe today I wasn't, but up until my- I'm saying walk. Yeah, as, as you're- Which walk- is the wrong word. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Climbing. You're, you're climb. Four points of contact about Climbing 90% of the Climbing through the rainforest, steep rainforest. Yeah, usually but using, you're, your, usually no, using the, your hands. The, the point I want to make is that you're constantly, like I said, up until today, kind of second-guessing yourself. Yeah. Just like wondering, like, am I going the right way? Did the bird I'm chasing quit hooting? Am I now chasing a different bird? Are we on the wrong ridge? I, like, it just goes on and on and on. It never quits. Well, that was the cool thing. It's like you have three options. You hear, you hear, you know, you hear a hoot. It's like, okay, he's either right, he's either center, or he's left, and you have to just choose a direction, and then, and then you're. Or there's the other one where he's behind you. Right. Well, and that's the neat thing too is that like the topography really changes the, like the sound of the bird, you know, and so that's why you have to get up because like if you're going to get on the beach and just like say I'm going to go hunt sooty grouse or you know blue grouse or whatever. And just go up, you know, a hundred feet from the beach. You're not going to get anything. I mean, you have to go up to get above them in order to like hear anything at all. And like, and especially like this one thing, you know, that, that I learned, you know, in the short time I was here is that like, if you're down by a stream or if you're inside like, you know, a saddle or a ravine, cause I've never, you know, I've never been elk hunting. So I don't know how that bugle carries and like how that, like, you way know, way the hell better than a hoot. Right. So it's just like, okay, you got these like little things. But even then, if you're down by a stream, like the streams we're crossing and the bull's bugling up on the ridge above it, you probably won't hear him. That stream will drown it. Right. Up. Okay. So it's like, yeah. So you have to get up and, and, and get into essentially like where they're broadcasting from, like on that same kind of level, because that's what they do. They're picking the big tree just to like, you know, find a mate, you know, and just like, then that, and that's where we found them was on these big trees. They're not like, you know, on a bush. Yeah, exactly. And it might be that you hear them now and then. Like, we've had it where we heard them all day. But we had a thing happen today where we heard a hoot. Turn around something. We heard a hoot. We're like, well, let's just go in that way a little bit and see what happens next. And we go down, and, and Corey, you propose to go up on a little knob to listen yeah. from a knob. And I was like, well, no sense in all, it's all being on the knob. So I was down off the knob, but we're close enough where we can communicate. I'm hearing that sound going loud, as, loud and clear. Yeah, and you guys I mean, couldn't hear him. Me and Garrett could not hear him. No kidding. He was only like 50 feet away. Yeah. I'm like, there he is. They're like, they kept giving me like, they don't, they don't hear anything. I'm like, no, dude. He's like, so we wound up finding that bird. And that wound up being the bird that we spent. Close to two hours looking for it. I think it was after we identified his clump of trees. Um. We spent an hour and 45 minutes trying to find the bird in the trees. Thrown off by this fact, we found 15, a total of found, not killed, but found a total of something like 15 blue grouse and spruce trees to the point where I was like, oh, they're in spruce trees. And this one we couldn't find was in a hemlock. So... You get to an area, and I started in my head, I would get to an area, clump of trees, you got it low. You, you, it's like, he's got to be one of these five, six trees. I mean, we're talking about big-ass old-growth timber, right? He's one of these five, six trees, and I would usually go like, where's the spruce? You know, and there would always be a spruce, and the some bitch would always be in the spruce, way up high. Like, how many feet up are they? 100 feet up? Yeah, I'd say 80 footers. I mean, the root systems are 12 inch round roots coming out of each tree on those big trees. 
Those are, I mean, they're old growth trees. And they got the birds sit on top of big limbs that usually, if you find a bird you can see from below, what you usually see is his beak and his tail. And if you move a foot or two either way, you want to see him. And it's a dense forest. And it, so you got all, you got cover from other trees. So it's not like there's just like one lone giant towering, yeah. you know, thing that's like just like, you know, with blue skies behind it. I mean, it is. It, there's dense yeah frisbee sized holes to look through. yeah 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 no coming back to parallels glassing these suckers up is right up there with like glassing up a bed of coos here yep but instead of looking a mile away you're looking 50 yards away right you know what i noticed barb was running eight and i was i, I know for a fact if i ever come back to city grouse hunting i'm gonna be, have some eights on me i'm not you're not you're no. gonna stick with the tens yeah what why, what do you think what are you gonna get out of having eights just less shake. I don't need. I don't need the, oh, the magnification. Oh, yeah, you have less steady. shake, and just. You're not, I mean, you're looking guy. fifty, seventy-five yards. You're not steady for a bird that's actually making noise, perched up there, even moving while he's making noise, and they are tough to glass. Up. Although he had ten, what your binos were ten, and your scope was. Listen, this story. Yeah. So today, <laughs> I had ten binos and a seven power scope on my double deuce. Okay, I found a patch of the bird that we spent an hour and 45 minutes trying to locate. I found a patch of that bird in my 10-power knockers. Couldn't see that patch in my 7-power scope. So I eventually had to look through my binoculars and study the cones on a hemlock. The configuration of cones on a hemlock. And then look through my rifle scope and try to identify those hemlock cones. Go back to my binoculars and study some more. Like, okay, there's a black patch of limb. Then I see those four cones. Then there's this one little stick coming down, and he's there. Go back to my rifle scope and find all that stuff. Never been able to identify that I was seeing the wing patch on a bird while Corey was holding a hat up to block the sun because <laughs> I was staring into the sun while doing this. So sevens isn't good. Mm. I'll have you know I won't kill that bird. After two hours. And a couple shots. Yeah. And a couple shots. I didn't have any binoculars. So I had to eyeball them. Yeah, I gotta give Mike credit. He found our first bird. Naked we put, eye, we, we put 30, 30 minutes into it. Mikey naked eyeballed him. Is really? He's doing like the hound circle around the tree. Once we isolated, like okay, it's got to be it's this tree, it's this tree. Because like that's the, that's the cool thing about it too is it's like okay, I think it's the, these three trees in this general area because that the, that sound really just kind of like kind of rolls around you know and and so like and that's a nice thing doing it with two peoples because then that person can go down and like hear it from different directions so like you kind of triangulate yeah you know what okay it's got to be this tree it's this tree so i'm looking right in here and so and that's a nice that's that's the cool thing about it but i didn't have, yeah. yeah if i was gonna give was, one tip to a new city grouse hunter i would say do th- once you're in the area where you're like okay i think this bird is here do some circles and Get a hoot from you know all sides of where you think he is, and I feel like 
after you do one circle, you're about 90 plus percent sure of what tree he's in. And that gives yeah. you that much more confidence of where to glass. It's As opposed to, to just kind of hanging back and looking up there and going, okay, he's in one of those four. You're now glassing four trees. You'll never pick And this a, sounds weird. Out. You know, people are going to be like, what? You're glassing into four trees. Well, four trees is a lot more country than you want to cover. And they're not like flapping their wings and like, <laughs> you know, like displaying and like strutting around on a limb. They're not like, you know, right at the tip of the limb, like all silhouetted and stuff. I mean, they're like close to the trunk. And they're just yeah. They're these. at the seam. They're always sitting at the seam of a big ass limb in yeah. the trunk. And, and they're just like very, very slight. But motion. these are big. I mean, they're big birds. They're big birds. But they're, they're not as big as a pheasant, but close. But they're a hundred feet in the air, in dense. You know, uh, you know, uh, can, the canopy is just dense, and so it's just like you have to isolate that tree and just like you have to narrow it down. Otherwise, you're just looking at limbs and shadows and moss. Like I saw. Like I was like, it's like Yanni. I was like. There's a bird sitting on top of that tree right there. And he's like, no, it's just like part of the tree. I was like, no. I was like, you serious? I was like, that looks like a bird. He's like, no, I agree with you, but that's not a bird. And it was him? No, no, no. This was later. Oh. <laughs> no, it's like one of those treetops. It's just, well, you know, and then he angle. described, because I hadn't seen anything, because I'm filming you guys. And so I hadn't actually, you know, seen a bird in a tree, so I don't know what I'm looking for. And he's like, so he describes, like, whenever he hoots, the tail just kind of bumps a little bit. I was like, okay, well, then that's something for me to look for whenever I hear the sound. I'm looking for this one particular motion. And so I, like, I was like, okay, well, I think he's in this general area. And then as soon as he told me that, I, was like, I saw the tail you know, kind of flutter. I was like, yep. there he is. It's like, boom, got him. My piece of advice, if I was going to give someone a sooty grouse hunting tip, the, the whole sound thing, like finding them, I, I, there's nothing I can say. It's just, you got to just trial and error. Um, or go with someone to watch someone do it. What, what, yeah, it was helpful I, to watch I, Barb do it. I, I, I couldn't say, believe it. Trust yourself. Don't second guess yourself. Trust yourself. If you pick a direction, keep going that direction. Trust yourself and know that he's probably always a little bit farther than you thought he was in the beginning. That first day we went out with Barb, we hiked up and we must have hit probably like, I think we hit 600 feet. And we heard a hoot. And um, based on my experience from the year before, I'm like, eh, you know, who cares about that? Like, you'll never find that bird. Because he's just one of those like, He's one of those like 30 degree certainty birds, you know, like one arm out here, one arm out here. You're trying to like draw the pie wedge, like a pie wedge bigger than anybody would want to ever eat a piece of pie. So I'm like, well, clearly that's not going to matter. And Barb says, no, we'll get under his tree. And we did. You just start going. You got to be a hound dog, man. You just got to. And what would mess me up the year before is I could never get my head around the idea that you'd hear a noise and get closer to it, but it would get fainter. So I would think that I was doing something wrong all the time. Like I couldn't accept that the noise will get fainter as I get closer. And then all of a sudden it'll get loud again and all that. So I'd go and it'd get fainter. I'd be like, well, that must not be right. And I'd turn and go the other direction thinking that I, that I had misread its direction. But the tip I was going to give is these things live on such a steep pitch. Corey, you, you, you know pitches. What are those pitch? What are the hillsides? How would you describe the hillsides? It's probably like five, seven climbing standards, which is maybe at some point we were 50 degrees. A 50 degree pitch. Yeah. Not a little plus, maybe even. Some yeah, of I mean, that. You're just grabbing a root, grabbing another root, grabbing a tree, you know, and you're just sticking your feet in this moss and. It's long. Yeah, I tend to like wear, you know, big, heavy-angled boots and just kick my toes in. 
Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, if you're climbing with crampons, most people like, kick my toe into the moss now and then and just climb up like that with my heels out, like, in the midair, you know? But my my suggestion, when you're looking at, when you get where you think you, where, maybe you don't know which trees, but you got to, my, my strategy became to pick a tree and work that tree and rule the son bitch out, right? Be like, I'll rule that. It's like the hour and 45 minute bird, we ruled out the three spruces. And then I started looking in a hemlock and that's why it took so long. So, but at one point I was like, this is, this is for the birds, man. Yeah. <laughs> it was, I was ready to go. I, I proposed leaving. <laughs> yeah. I proposed leaving and going looking for another hooter. Well, like you said, Steve too, like when they shift the direction that they're actually projecting the sound, it changes where it, it's like yep. when you throw your voice, you know, so who, it's like a three dimensional. Yeah. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah, and it does because you'll be sitting there, and the, the, it'll like be like the birds moving from tree to tree. But just because, but then when you do see one, he is always doing that. Yeah, he hoots on one side of a tree, and you'll step over to another limb, face the other way, and hoot in our direction. And it sounds like you kept Garrett. You kept proposing that there's two, three of them up in the tree. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it sounded like. It's like I think there's two. Yeah. That's why it's so important to do the circle around, like the base. Well, no, of the I trees. keep getting to what, my, what my suggestion oh, is. Sorry. Yeah, but, but on, on top of yours, the going around, go uphill and get eye level because the pitch is so severe that you can do this. Go uphill and get eye level with the canopy. So you might wind up being. I remember what today. I wasn't even close to eye level with the top of a tree, but I remember ranging the tree trunk. I was 37 yards from the tree trunk. Uphill behind it, looking into its canopy, kind of looking into its canopy. And then so you kind of read like, what direction should I go uphill where it's not going to be obscured by a bunch of twigs and shit from another tree? And if you can find a little gap and then climb up there and look into the tree rather than looking up. We found, I think, one bird from looking up. Yeah, well, because you got all the branches below it, and they're at the top. I mean, yeah. they're not halfway up, you know, I mean, at least from what I saw. I mean, they're they're up. To, so looking straight up the tree is just like, you know, it's garbage. I mean, you got to, like, do concentric circles out, find those little pockets. Yeah, which know. brings me to, to the kind of a, a final, not, not the final thing, but an, an important part of this. You go up, 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 and you're getting away from the trunk of the tree looking in. When you find it, you invariably wind up in tricky shooting situations. You are not going to shoot a blue grouse by lying down prone. And the angle, the shooting angles are usually much too severe to shoot over your knee. You're shooting up. I shot one lying down on my back. You know? It's like it's like your contortionist trying to get in the shooting position on him. But it's the most rewarding shooting I've ever been involved in. It's not like a it's in its own way, I would say it's as difficult as wing shooting. Oh, definitely. It's very demanding, especially if you're not going to blow the breasts out of them. If you're trying to hit him in the neck and head, it's very demanding. It requires yeah, it's be great like shooting, attention to detail on marksmanship. It's like head shooting squirrels. Yeah. 
Not easy to do. Did you know Rocket Money can cancel a subscription for you? They'll even alert you when there's been an increase in a subscription price and negotiate rates for you. I can see my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, Rocket Money can help me cancel it with just a few taps. You wouldn't believe how many people are paying for subscriptions they don't use. This happened to me. It's annoying. This helps you find it out and get rid of it. Well, Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions and monitors your spending and helps lower your bills so you can grow your savings. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash meat eater. That's rocketmoney.com slash meat eater. Rocketmoney.com slash meat eater. Applying for tags each year in the West can be daunting. Yeah, I apply for everything everywhere. It's daunting. You have to go to a variety of sources to formulate your best guess as to where to apply. Well, this is a thing of the past now. Onyx just launched hunt research tools to simplify the process for all hunters. This tool helps organize the data that matters, makes comparing hunt options easy, and helps hunters develop a plan based on real metrics rather than gut feelings. Onyx Hunt also offers all elite members a free digital membership to Hunt and Fool, who I use, for boots on the ground, insight and knowledge, and a membership to Hunt Reminder so you never miss another deadline. Stop stressing over application season and apply with confidence in 2024. Check out Onyx Hunt Research Tools, free for all Onyx Hunt Elite members. Not an elite member? Well, let's fix that. Use code MEATEATER to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com slash hunt. This is an app I use literally every day. I use it for every aspect of hunting, scouting, trapping, you name it. I want to tell you about an American-made success story and Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. Black Buffalo was built by dippers with decades of smokeless tobacco use. Black Buffalo is all about the history and tradition of dip, but they understand the convenience and discretion modern-day consumers are looking for. Black Buffalo's nicotine pouches give you the versatility to consume discreetly, but keep the ritual with flavors dippers love. Mint, straight, and wintergreen, all proudly made right here in the USA. Tell them, Chili. The reason I like black buffalo pouches is, one, they're very discreet. And what I mean by that is I can throw one in and almost forget it's there. And I prefer the mint pouches. So if you're 21 or older, consume nicotine or tobacco and want to join the black buffalo herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online. They ship directly to most states or check out their store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. I love hunting blue grouse. I don't think it's going to catch on. Yeah, it's tough, man. Which is part of the appeal, too. 
Right. It doesn't get saturated. And it's just not, I mean, you got to come like, like dudes aren't, dudes from down, dudes from the lower 48 aren't going to, when they do their big Alaska trip. Yeah. They, if they're up here spring bear hunting, they ought to just tack on two yeah. days for, for Because no one's going to be like clearing it up with their wife and shit to, to like come up to hunt blue grouse. Getting time off work, you know, buying a bunch of garbage online for hunting gear, and then come up and shoot birds. Yeah, I don't know why. But if I was in Alaska, maybe after their first time, if I was a sheep hunter, they experience it. Yeah, then they'll do it. It's an adventure. I'm telling you what, you do this all spring, and I don't know how whatever you'd have to do for June and July to retain that shape. But if you did this all sooty grouse season, you would be ready to smoke the Brooks Range and and look for dolls. Yes. So this is so this is the 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 uh, the primer the your your workout getting ready for that. So this is a good like this is CrossFit. Yeah, this is this is your you know your rainforest CrossFit prior to no, it's the, better CrossFit because like my brother criticizes CrossFit all the time. He says CrossFit's only thing it does is makes you good at CrossFit. <laughs> See what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, when I'm going to go hunt with someone, like, if I'm going to take someone on a hunting trip, I usually tell them, like, you're sitting there thinking about what sleeping bag you need, right? What gun you're going to bring, whether you got a, this kind of scope or that kind of scope. It's like, here's the thing that's going to that's gonna make your hunt. Here's the thing that's going to make it that you're happy and successful or miserable, not successful. Your ability, Your ability to climb hills. This is, well, that's a good and way. And whether or not your feet are going to hold up. Yeah. I mean, well, this is a good primer. It's though. like the only thing, if you're going to go on a mountain hunt, you're going to go on a sheep hunt, elk hunt, mule deer hunt, all the garbage you think you need to worry about. Like, oh, do I want this kind of pants or that kind of pants? That is largely bullshit. It's like, can you walk a long ways up and down hills and have your feet stay in good shape? And that you can keep doing that day after day after day after day. With a smile on your face. With a smile on your face. Because the minute you don't want to go to that next ridge, you're done. All right, everyone. I know you're enjoying the Meat Eater podcast, and you're especially enjoying it because it's free. And to keep it that way, we got to take a quick break to thank our sponsors. The minute you start finding reasons to not go to that next ridge, it's over for you. I was kind of curious. What do you guys think? Whenever you're looking at... Just straight up, like what is it? What were you talking about? Th- these 45, 50 degrees. 50 degrees. Okay, I got to get up there. Whenever you're just, you, you're having to grind to get up to the top, what do you guys think about whenever you're doing that? And it's just, your legs are screaming. I don't know if your legs are screaming and stuff, or like physically what you're going through, but what, what's going through y'all's mind in those situations to get you to the top of that? Me lying there dying on my deathbed as an old man. Yeah. Wow. And that keeps you really? going forward. Yeah, because I always think about this. When I'm dying, okay, I will not be like, man, I'm sure glad I didn't climb that hill. There's just no way. Yeah. There's no way. Today we got up on a ridge. Remember we were on the ridge top? Yeah. Okay. And there was a hooter down below. And I'm like, man, I don't want to get off the ridge top because we're up on the ridge top. Then we're going to have to go down there to kill him or try to kill him and then climb back up to the ridge top. And I'm like, why in the world are you thinking this way? Go down there and climb back up. 
Because this, I mean, there's a mental component of having, yeah, having is, to man. go up that. I mean, well, day you? four is day four for for y'all. Yeah, I mean, I have a lot of curiosity too. I'm always curious about stuff. Like I always think I'm going to like find something weird laying on the ground, or I don't know, right? There's a reward at the top. So yeah, it's like I'm always like, oh, you know, maybe we'll find something weird laying there, or he's all benched out. You know, there there are benches. It wasn't a consistent. Climb, climb, there was climb. some. I mean, some you're just like, oh, but crap! Like, I gotta. Yeah, like maybe, I don't know, maybe like two bucks. Maybe two bucks got tangled up and died with their antlers locked. Yeah, and also I'm gonna stumble across that, or some, pir- or I'll find a dead guy. Some pirates, <laughs> some pirates <laughs> didn't oh, actually yeah, get to bury rocks. their treasure. I always look the in the holes the under the trees and thinking there's. Yeah, maybe something in there. Gold nugget. Of I was course. expecting something to jump out. Yeah, Wolverines <laughs> coming at you. Yeah. So there's that. There's like, do I? Will I ever? But that's not what you're thinking of. Like, I need to get to the next bench so I can look underneath no. that tree for. A I'm Wolverine. always like, where's Barb right now? She's way up there. <laughs> I think about this. There's a direct correlation. There's an undeniable direct correlation between how much weird shit you see in the woods and how much time you spend in the woods. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know what I mean? Guy spends a lot of time in the woods, has a lot of things like stories that begin with, I'll tell you what happened, you know what I mean? Like that. Or he's got shit on his shelves. He's like, you see that? And, you know? We learned a lot about porcupines. That's yeah. True. Well, what about you? A lot about Corey? porcupines. Like, what do you, what's going on in your head whenever you're, it's just like, it's, it's foot in front of foot in front of foot to get to the top? The grind. The grind. In the grind. Yeah. Depends Sticking on how long. the moss. Depends how long the grind is, but just going i mean like i try to like to go just in my head like try to push myself to the plateau without stopping like that. that's it there's nothing else in that that time that that if it's a longer mind. if it's a longer like we're talking trying to go two thousand feet same consistency you know the pitch yeah then you can get in like more of a rhythm but this is kind of like steep bench listen stop that's the point you raised because core used to be a competitive, like a professional snowboarder, and you, you got to walk up a lot of those hills. Yeah, but you were like, you you said today, like, but doing that every step's the same. Yep, I, yep, it it's is just the like same. the same so step. A zone. It's like a meditation. The same step over and over again. He goes, but here, every step is different. Okay. So. Yeah, every step you're twisting an ankle, different degrees. Every step, you know, we're sinking our up to our knees in holes that were covered by, you know, moss stuff and. Every Dead step, is, every step is different. Yeah. Crawling over logs, under logs, trees, grabbing a dead tree, knocking over the whole tree. You know, like <laughs> out of, yeah, out of the sound. I got a different take but, on. But I think too, your question is just so you guys are all. I think what you're trying to ask is really like what is like a there's like a motivating kind of a factor. Not just like what happens in your head, but like, no, like you, you're in, you're like, in the grind, and like, what yeah. do you say to yourself to be like, yeah, I'm fired up to get to the top, right? Just what I, I just said. No, I know you answered it right. I just just wanted to make. Do you want to be the kind of guy that goes up the hill or not? No, no, you're still gonna get to the top. You're still gonna get to the top, but that time before you get up there. I mean, your brain is, you know, what are you thinking about your taxes or your, oh, you know, like think about like that? Like, like what? Yeah. Like what is going on in your mind during that, that, that grind and trying that, to find a blue rose oh. the whole time. The hell are you thinking about? 
I start playing. No, songs you answered it right the first time. You said no. He's not asking that. He's not saying what motivates you. He's wondering what you think about. At a certain about. point, there might be some pain involved. Well, it, the pain. You're the thinking pain, about right. stuff besides what we're doing while we're out there. I whenever am. I'm climbing, whenever we're going straight up, like we have to get up there, and it's like we're not like okay. We we hear the sound. We got to go up, right? And it and it hurts and it's painful and stuff. And th- so there's nothing going. You start thinking about your taxes. No. <laughs> no. Like, man, I should, we should call my mom more often. Yeah. <laughs> well, your mind doesn't wander whenever you're like in that. It, whenever you do it, does, I mean, so that's yeah. why it's an honest question. You know? Packing meat or something like that, it does. But I'll do this. I'm just hoping to find. Right, you're just getting up there. Oh yeah, like a drudgery. Like if you're just like, right. oh yeah, we got a nine mile walk. We're all done. It's like just hiking out. Oh yeah, I'm thinking about crazy shit, man. Right, that's what I'm talking about. That's yeah. that was the question. Okay. And I'm trying to learn how to think about something. Like, I'm trying to be like, because, you know, I write a lot, right? So I'll be like, why don't I take this time and actually write something in my head, word for word for word, and memorize it? And then I get home, I just have to type out what I wrote in my head. Right, okay. Because your body's going to do what it's But I can't do, do that. Because then I'll be like, man, I should really call my mom more often. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, I'm supposed to be writing my article. But then I can't, you know? Yeah. But I mean, I'm on to some other thing like, man, I got to remember that, you know, like I got to get some new finger paint for my kids. You know, I, can, I, I it's uncontrolled. But blue grouse hunting, I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, I am constantly training for the next hunt. <laughs> Every time I get into that position where it's the grind and it hurts and my legs are like, please stop, please stop. And I'm like, shut up, legs. And in my head, I think. The six-point bull that I've been looking for for 20 years is at the top of the next bench. The Hooters at the top You've of the next bench. killed a bunch of six-point bulls, haven't No, you? I haven't. Um, <laughs> killed a lot of cows. <laughs> Cow-killing machine. But no, I'm just like constantly thinking, like, this is good for me. That's how I make it good for me. And so I like enjoy it because I think in this fall, this hiker that I'm doing right now, next fall is going to help me hopefully be successful in whatever. But doesn't that wind up being real circular? Because. Yeah, of course. Because it's like, well, yeah, it's helpful right now. Do you know what I mean? I'm helping myself right now in order to help myself in the future. It's kind of like people who like, you get dumped by a girl and people like, yeah, it'll only make you stronger. It's like, oh, for next time I get dumped. (laughs) I'm with you, man. I'm with you guys. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, this is like, this is going to pay off. Like this is the, the effort involved is, you know, I'm not going to find a dead guy or two. I think Mike, because Mike lockers. originally was asking of like how like you make it okay in your head to like deal with the pain of like keep keep pushing. Don't take a break right now. Keep pushing. Yeah, yeah. There's a hooter at the end of the road, but you said it. You're like when I'm on my deathbed, when I'm yeah. dying, we'll be like, you know, yeah. But you guys talked about motivations. Like you got that motivation to get up there. Like where does your mind go? And this, I may be off, off here, but when I'm like, I'm, I'm maxed out. I'm thinking, man, I need to stop, and I know I need to go, and I'm gonna keep going. Right. I actually go to really calm water, like sitting on a lake with a beer, and that's where my mind is. Okay, so yeah, yeah you get that, that And I'd be worried about whether the fish are biting. <laughs> I'd be like, I better walk down the beach. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because it's about keeping your heart. You know, keeping your heart. Oh, calm. I got you. You know what I'm saying? Like your body's gonna do. Like, I mean, you're sucking wind. Your legs are screaming. And you need to keep that heart rate down. So I, yeah. you go to a place of. But you, you peace. climb like you do technical climbing. Yeah, 
like ice climbing, technical climbing. And it's all about that. Like your body's maxing out, but you can go way beyond as long as you keep your your heart rate down. It's being able to separate your mind from all the physical yeah. pain that you're feeling. Right. Like, okay. Like these yeah. guys saying, you got to stay yeah. focused. And your motivation is going to take you there, but to get there, you know, in even further. You know you're going to get there. You're yeah. going to get there. I mean, there's no doubt that you're going to the top of that place. But it's just like, you know, it's just dealing with that, like, internal turmoil. At least for me, you know, it's just like, yeah, this fucking that, hurts. Go to that lake. Yeah. Yeah. I, like, if I want to calm myself, um, I'll sometimes just focus on breathing in and breathing out. Yeah. Or I'll picture a really old dog on a really hot day down south. Yeah. And that, on a porch. That will change your, yeah, that will change your. And that makes me feel sleepy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but your body's still, like. In super super mode, and it's. Do you ever just carry a picture of yourself taking a nap? <laughs> <laughs> just look at that. Well, that's what a beer on the beach is, pretty much. You know. Earlier, I mentioned getting dumped. How many of you guys did, you, did? All you guys get dumped way ass hard in your twenties. Yeah. Twenties. Nope. Nope. Really? Dumping. Doing the dumping. <laughs> I got married. <laughs> oh yeah, I got married young. Because I was observing not long ago. How, like, you get dumped in your 20s by someone. For me, it was someone named Maris. And it killed something in me that never grew back. You didn't need that anyways. That was Do you know what I'm saying? Point. I was thinking about when people say, like, oh, yeah, it only makes you stronger. It's like, it didn't make me stronger. It killed something in me that never grew back. Something died. I agree with you, but that happened to me, I feel like, when I was, like, 12. Or 13. Yeah, it was like, like the very first time when I was like, yeah, exactly. I had an exhaustible supply of disappointment that was killed. It was replaced by awareness of that. Yeah. And that's for that's there you and, go. And I've been trying to fill that spot in me with. <laughs> <laughs> it's the heartbeat. That's what the Sooty Grouse call mimics. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's a yeah, it's relationships, isn't it? The Sooty Grouse is just like, hey, babes. I kept I'm tr- at the top of this hill. <laughs> While we were hunting studios, I kept trying to think, what's the fun part? And at various times, I thought, oh, the fun part's shooting them. You know, like picking your shot. Then I thought the fun part, you know, like bounced around, like, what's the fun part? The fun part, the funnest part, like if you could make a drug, if you could, you know, go to Bristol Myer and it'd make you up a little, no, they would not do really that kind of drugs. Who does that kind of, who's like, who makes like drug drugs? Bear. Pfizer. Pfizer. There you go. If I was going to go to Pfizer and I'm like, I want a drug that makes me feel like X, but not X to C. But I mean, like, Y. I want a drug that makes me feel like Y. Y would be the moment when you think, I will find this bird's cluster of trees. Yeah. It's that. For me, it was like, okay, this is the tree. Let's let's figure out where, what branch he's on. Oh, really? Yeah. It's like, okay. That was the happy part? We isolated it. That was the fun part. The fun part is once we figured out which tree it was and we started doing the circles and like looking around and stuff, That I, I enjoyed that because it was, you know, it was detective work. No, nah, you're wrong. It's when you, <laughs> it's when you realize. <laughs> Yanni, what was your fun part? Somewhere. Like if you could get any in capsule form. Buck a pill. Oh, somewhere right in there. I don't know if it's the cluster of trees or isolating the tree, but right in that moment where you're like, you, you know, you're underneath him, but you haven't found him. 
So that's the funnest part. You just said it was the same, this is the same thing for you. No, Did it's you know? when I know that I'm gonna find the cluster trees. Oh, so you're still a couple hundred yards out, but you're, but you're like, like this some bitch is gonna get found. It like gets loud yeah. in no, a we way. T- that- we talked about this earlier today about how now we've got seven or eight days of city grouse hunting under our belts, and now as you hike, climb, trudge towards the bird, and there's a there's a long time where it's so faint. It's the ooh ooh ooh. You have to stop to hear the sound. You have to stop every now and then and go, okay, there's my straight right, left. You keep going, you keep going. And then the next time you stop, it's got just a little bit more of a ooh, ooh, ooh. And you're like, okay, we're kind of bearing yep. in. Next, you keep walking, you keep walking, and then all of a sudden there's a point where you hear the bird over the sound that you're making, whether it's your, your boots or, or scratching through the, the brush or whatever. And at that point, now it's like, okay, we're in that. We're probably within 200 yards and you're probably gonna find. We're gonna find this tree. We're gonna. You're gonna find the cluster. We're gonna find his in. cluster. Trees. So it's when the needle starts doing this. Instead of like doing this, it goes yeah. shh, like that. But I felt like last year, all that hunting we did, we didn't have that dialed in. Only we, one time. One time. Yeah. But I didn't know what was happening. Right. And yeah, what was the bird that was right off? Like when we hiked up the trail, got to the snow, and then he was off. The, Lost bird. That was Lost bird. We were under Lost Bird's tree. We were in his cluster. Yeah. No. We listen, could go back and kill I've Lost played that Bird. Back, I've played that back a hundred times. He's a year older. <laughs> yeah. I know right he's, where he is. I got him. I got him. I got a wait. I got a GPS waypoint on him. Yeah. He's no, a Lost Bird. No, looking back on now, it's like, yeah, Lost Bird, Bird. I now realize after multiple visits to Lost Bird's area, I now know that we were actually standing beneath Lost Bird's tree. Right. Yeah. It's a miracle he didn't Walking in circles. <laughs> Because I thought it'd be that you'd look in the tree and there he is. Right. So I'm like, oh, no, he's not in that tree. I must be insane. And then we just start going down these ridges and trying to, like, go down these little cliffs and trying to get an angle. I was like, no, nah, I realize, yeah, we are standing beneath yeah. Lossberg. And even when someone tells you, no, you're going to have to glass up into the trees. It's the classic story of, like, the first-time cruiser hunter when, like, our buddy Jay Scott says, yeah, go onto that ridge. And that ridge across from you, go and glass it. And you come back 20 minutes later and you're like, yeah, man, glass it. And he's like, no, no, you didn't glass it. Because you picked up your binoculars, didn't put them on a tripod, looked over the hill, and then left. And it's the same thing here. Like, first thing Barb does, she pretty much does the circle, narrows down the tree, and then lays down on her. Takes off her backpack, sets her rifle down. Yeah. Busts out her binoculars because she's not going to eat them until then, and then lays down. And gets comfortable and starts glassing straight up in the air. I remember Chris Denham, uh, the, the publisher at Western Hunter and Elk Hunter Magazine. I was talking to him about hunting coos deer. And I, I said something to him along the lines of, uh, well, how long do you sit in a spot? You know, how, do, how, how long do you glass one area? And I remember him saying, sometimes all day. I mean, like, without moving, he's like, yeah, without moving, I'll sit in one spot all day. I didn't really, I, I couldn't even really comprehend what he was talking about. Now I understand what he's talking about. But yeah, when I made that original call to Barb, she said, I'll usually look for the bird for an hour. If I can't find it, I'll sometimes move on. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> you know, and then one thing after another. All right. 
Giannis closing thoughts. Go if you if you're up here for whatever reason, cruise ship, spring bear hunt, whatever. Take a couple days and go city grouse hunting. It's a blast. That's it. That's the best you can do. That's my closing thoughts. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to sell. It. I mean, it's your I don't closing know. thoughts. Yeah, Garrett. I would say in in response to the fun moment, that scenery, like just oh, that's touching. Well, no, see, no, that's no. that's that's the kind of thing I wanted to get out of you, guys. <laughs> No, when I break out of that lakeside, you know, trying to calm my heart rate, you look around here and it's, I mean, that moss and like the light, I mean, it's beautiful. Whales. Yeah, whales. And the way when you hit one with a, tw- a hit a grouse with a 22. It's slow motion. The oh, fe- yeah. No, no, not that. The feathers. Oh, yeah. When the sun's right and dozens of feathers like are falling. Yeah, falling from 100 feet up in a tree. And it's just like, they're. it just is nice. Yeah. It's a nice it's juxtaposition. Nice. There's like yeah. death and life in the air. Affirmation. Yeah, you know, I had a thought today that when I didn't feel bad shooting the bird, but I felt bad as he fell out 80 feet up and he hit the ground so hard. <laughs> no, he didn't do any of that. Oh, it, he it, hit it, all it, the was, limbs? it was one of those where there was like, it wasn't a single limb. So he's like gaining speed. He was almost hitting terminal velocity. You know, and I couldn't even see where he landed, but I don't know. It's that juxtaposition of, like, I don't feel bad killing you, but after you're dead, I don't want you to slam the ground from 100 feet up. I feel bad shooting a lot of stuff, particularly bears. Like, whenever I shoot a bear, I feel pretty bad. Not that I stopped doing it, but, um, man, just not a trace with blue grouse. I think because you're shooting primarily, you know, your goal, you're shooting males, Mm -hmm. you know, females are going to get bred. You're shooting males. And then something like that, you think like every year, 75% of the birds alive are dying. A four-year-old blue grouse is ancient. I just don't feel bad shooting them. No. They're tasty too. Yeah, it's like. They're, they're like they have like pretty high fecundity, super high mortality. You know, they're just dying all over the damn place. And is that just you know? I mean, it's like if I didn't get them, something's you know. I mean, something's gonna get them. Now bears. I killed a bear one time. They with the tooth dentum analysis was seventeen years old. I was in my early twenties. Well, he's about to die old age, anyways. Yeah, but I'm saying I can't be like, oh, if I didn't kill you, something. You know, what I mean. Like, if I, you kill a blue grouse, like you shoot a blue grouse, something else is going to kill him anyway. Now, a bear, you might shoot him, and I can't say that. So right. You might live another 10 years. I don't know. What is the blue grouse's uh, predator? Or what predator feeds off the blue grouse? Pine martens kill a lot of them. Weasels, long-tailed weasels, ermines kill a lot of them. Raptors kill them. And then you got all the nest predators because they nest on the ground. Even pine squirrels will steal the eggs. We found a big ass egg today way up the hill. Yeah, did you guys really? Some sea, yeah, seabird like a like a like a duck or something. duck egg or big robin's robin egg blue, but the size of a chicken egg. Way up in the woods. Yeah, that was like, like in a nest. Some carried it up there. It looked oh, like. Oh, okay. Oh, you know what happened the other day, man? We had a robin build a nest. 
Maybe that's I'll, a sooty egg. Way too big. Their egg would be like that. Yeah, like a you know quarter. Uh, Robin built a nest up in my out the, out our kitchen window, and me and my boy were out in the yard, and uh, I see the nest fell out of the tree. So I'm like, "Oh, Jimmy, look! You know the nest fell out of the tree." And walk over, and we're looking at the nest, and I realized that all that the babies had gotten pretty developed inside the egg, and all the eggs when the nest fell out of the tree, all the eggs broke. So he's four. He didn't like that a bit. Little baby birds laying every which way. He talked about that for a few days. <laughs> Concluding thoughts, Mike? <laughs> Hunty.com. Um, I enjoyed the, the, uh, I enjoyed the hunt. It was, you know, another new experience in the, in an adventure and it was, it was awesome. I, you know, it was, it was a, it was an adventure. I liked it. I liked it a lot. And what I think about whenever I'm grinding and going to the top is I get a song stuck in my head that just keeps going over and over and over. And for the past few days, it's been Fleetwood Mac, and I can't get it out of my fucking head. Which, which one? I can't get it up? No, I can't get it out of my head. Oh. No, out of my personal head. What Fleetwood Mac? If it's Silver Springs, I'm with you there, man. Lance, stuff, landslide. Man. Oh, really? Yeah. Dude, I don't know why. Get Silver Springs in your head, man. Yeah. That's a good tune. It's like a lady singing to a man, and the man, she loved the man, the man didn't love her. And she says, she's telling him that, you know, my voice is going to haunt you for the rest of your life. So like these guys in their 20s. Yeah. Yep. Fun times. Yep. Her, her voice is going to follow him down and haunt him. <laughs> um. Corey, concluding thoughts, closing thoughts? How's one of those hunts where I think anyone could, maybe not anyone, but those who want to pursue Sooty Grouse can, uh, you'd probably have quite a few encounters if you gave it your all. You know, it's one of those where you're probably going to have a good opportunity to see what you're chasing. Yep. And, you know, especially if you, if you got a pair of ears on and you'd like to walk around the woods, it's the perfect hunt for you. Bring your kid out. Yeah. You can't be a little kid, though. My kid couldn't climb. I mean, my five-year-old, he's five now. He ain't going to happen. Maybe. I mean, if you made a goal to find one a day, if you're like, I could take my boy out and be like, our goal is to find one, and we're going to bring a ton of snacks and look in a lot of holes under trees and have a general good time and maybe, you know. But, yeah, you're not going to Coming downhill, though, man, it's. Well, I'd wind up carrying him on my shoulder. I'd wind up carrying him. Yeah, it's hard. You can't really carry someone. You're on not going to carry anyone down that. Shit. Yeah, I got. He's got to get a little older. Is that your concluding yeah. thought? Yeah, and then uh, yeah. Besides this Devil's Club, you know what? My concluding thought. I already planned out my concluding thought, which is freaking Devil's Club. Yeah. God, that stuff. It's terrible. There wasn't too much. There was a little bit. There was more in the Alaska range whenever we were there with uh, Rourke that we were going through that was thick but man that stuff is just it's terrible i like it better than poison oak absolutely I like it a lot better than poison oak for two reasons one where you get it is where you get it right it doesn't spread there's no surprises and it doesn't get on your pecker <laughs> unless you- i mean unless you're like <laughs> unless you pee different than i do it's like, it doesn't peeing. get on your pecker so it's like when you come out of the woods, you're like, I have Devil's Club in these places, right? 
And it's not like Poison Oak where you're like a week later. It's like, oh, now I have Devil's Club, you know. It's like, did I really touch myself there while that was going on? You know what I mean? Um, did you grab, did you, I mean, I know you did. You talked about it, but like, you know, you're grabbing for vines and stuff when you're going up and you just oh, like yeah. happen to the like, club. you grab a vine of spikes to pull yourself up and just. The oh. main, the main, I got bitch slapped where I was, I moved one out of the, the way with my foot, you know, bent it out of the way with my foot and it slipped from out of my toe. And came up and just doornailed me. So that, like, my most Devil's Club action is from that one thing. But also one time I caught one on the leg and thought that my pants, but that didn't happen. I thought my pants would stop it, but it, I got, like, a thigh full of Devil's Club. Do you want, uh, yeah. But my Packer's <laughs> clean. <laughs> I bring this up only because Yanni's, Yanni permanently, permanently, deformed his packer with poison oak <laughs> he told me it was so bad that if he was to meet i mean he's happily married stay married the rest of his life <laughs> but if he was not somehow in a hypothetical situation was not and had to meet a new gal the new gal would wonder what was going on <laughs> right exactly <laughs> There's only one way to itch it. <laughs> only one. Um, all right. Yeah, I guess my concluding thought was Yanni's uh, little thingy there. Um, thanks for joining. Oh, a couple things. A couple, yeah. Buy one of Yanni's t shirts. Also, check out the show, Meat Eater. Uh, Sportsman Channel, Thursdays at 8 when we're on the air. Uh, if you don't do that, go to meateater.vhx.tv. You can download and stream all kinds of Meat Eater. We just finished our best episode ever, and I'm, I, I, I'm not sure yet. I'm trying to figure out a way. I, 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 I'm going to put some episodes up for free on VHX, man. Um, But don't wait for that. Just go buy one for now. And then, and then, and then buy one of Yanni's t-shirts, but don't buy so many that he quits his job. <laughs> All right. Is that it? That's it. Good night. Ciao. Later. Hey, listen up. This sounds like an advertisement, but it's not. It's, 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 it's different than an ad. I need you guys and gals that listen to go check out the complete guide to hunting, butchering and cooking wild game, which is written by myself and some people from the Meat Eater team, and a collection of the best hunters from around the country. It's a two-volume set. Volume 1, Big Game, is coming out in August. Volume 2, Small Game, comes out in December. Um, again, it's called The Complete Guide to Hunting, Butchering, and Cooking Wild Game. It totals about 750 pages of content dealing with gear, Tags, hunting basics, advanced hunting strategies, field butchering, recipes, everything you need to know to be a better hunter or to get started in hunting if you haven't done it before. If I had had this book when I was a kid, it would have changed my life. It's going to change yours. I'm not joking. You can pre-order now, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, 
IndieBound, Target, Powell's, Walmart, wherever books are sold. It's out there. It's beautiful. It's huge. It's two volumes. Do yourself a favor. Do me a favor. Give this book a look. Telling you what, Decked is a game changer. Decked has completely changed how I load, organize my truck. All my stuff that I want is always in there, out of my way, and secure. It's perfect. If you own a pickup truck that you use, you know, like a truck, the Decked drawer system gives you weatherproof storage for all your gear. You can lock it up, too. You keep your tools and gear organized job site or out in the field go to deck.com slash meat eater to receive free shipping go to deck.com slash meat eater get yourself some free shipping hey if you follow wildlife news at all you're probably aware that the island of maui has an incredible abundance of axis deer so much so that they're causing ecological damage well maui nui venison is thinning out some of those Axis deer herds and delivering venison sticks and fresh cuts to your door. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I Venison.com. Use promo code MEATEATER for 20% off your order.